Welcome to a new episode of the Bull Take Podcast. I'm Austin Wader. With me here, Mr. Austin Hill. And, you know, I would do like a funny intro or something, but there's been like a million things that have happened today. Yeah. So I'm just going to shut up and get straight into it. Um, number one, literally a bombshell, what, 20 minutes ago? Maybe. And then maybe 20 minutes ago, Nick Saban officially is retiring. This is not a drill. This is not fake news like in recent years. Uh, ESPN confirmed it. And uh, just just wow, Austin. I mean, yeah. yes, uh, your first thoughts, because I mean, I, I'm speechless right now. Uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those things that kind of has been looming for a long time uh, in the college football landscape. You know, he's getting older. Um, and, you know, a couple a few years now of not having that same success and it kind of felt looming but it's almost just one of those things that even though you know you're expecting it to happen it still catches you by surprise and you never really expect to see one of the greats uh hang it up yeah i mean that's that's the way i look at it. but also i mean just to address it really quickly i mean you think about it the alabama job is open yeah the alabama and i mean no disrespect to the coaches who are there currently i don't think this is a job you just bring someone no. like you know like elevate the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator at least in my opinion I don't think you do that um so I mean let's 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 think of some candidates here real quick um my number one one I think Dabo Sweeney number one I think that's guy that definitely even though Clemson yeah. just locked him up this is a former Alabama recruit played football at Alabama um has won national championships. I mean, that's a. I mean, there's there's a million different names you could go with for this job, Austin. Yeah, uh, a guy I'm going to go to, um, and I'm kind of with you on this. It doesn't. I don't think contract extensions matter. I don't think anything matters. This is the Alabama job opening up. I think everybody uh, is on the table if you're the University of Alabama. I think they have that kind of pull. Um, but I'm going to say Lane Kiffin. Uh, is a guy that I think could take this job. Um, obviously has ties to Saban, has ties to the University of Alabama. Um, this would be a big step for him, especially after losing a guy like Qu- Quinchon Judkins um, to the transfer portal. Most likely it looks like, uh, I don't know if it's official yet, but he was in Columbus. Yeah, it, um, he announced it after the national champion, literally right after it so ended. So he is headed to the Buckeyes. So it could be a change of... Uh, Scenery there for Lane Kiffin. It could make sense to maybe leave Ole Miss and uh, take the job at Alabama with uh, a quarterback that I think would fit his play style uh, to a T in Jalen Milrow. Yeah, um, and you just got to think, I mean, not only that, just the ripple effect this is going to have. Because yeah. we talked about it beforehand. All, like, the major jobs are kind of filled right now. Like, the major ones that were available. And now, all of a sudden, the Alabama job just pops open out of nowhere, so you wonder, and you think about it, whenever one coach is gone, that's going to lead to ripple effect for another coaching job. This is going to be an endless cycle. We thought that the coaching carousel was done for college football. It might not even be included. It might have just got started. Yeah, uh, like you said, it could definitely create a massive ripple effect. I mean, the only thing that would stop this from rippling throughout college football is if an NFL head coach were to come down and fill that gap. Um, But, you know, well, we'll talk about some of the uh, <laughs> I say Bill Belichick, openings. anybody? <laughs> uh, I, Bill Belichick's the guy I thought maybe could take the role. Um, there's a former uh, national champion winning coach and Super Bowl winning coach that maybe just hit the market, and he doesn't sound like he's done coaching per his uh, press conference today. Yeah, I will agree. We'll get to that. But before we get to the NFL, we're going to quickly recap the college football playoffs, sir. You are the college football expert. I'll let you do the recap in here. You have the floor. Oh, boy. Uh, It was a uh, blast of a bowl season, and uh, this is kind of our college football finale eve, if you will. Uh, Yeah. 
Lots of big stuff to come on our uh, final episode for the college football season, but it was a fantastic college football playoff. We got what I'm going to go ahead and call four or three really good games. Um, The final score of the national championship uh, was a little bit lopsided, but it doesn't reflect what was really ultimately uh, a close chess match um, that came down to a couple big plays at the end. Um, But we look at this quarterfinal, and again, it was probably the best quarterfinal we got. Uh, Games coming down to the last play of the game, uh, the first one going to overtime. Um, And it it was a a great effort. Um, Obviously, there are going to be some questions uh, about what this win might mean for Michigan. Um, But at the end of the day... Uh, this was a, a hard-fought victory for this team. You think about the toughest part of their season they had to face without uh, their head coach right. and Jim Harbaugh. And uh, now they come in, they win the national championship. But it's a wonder to me, um, and I don't mean to take away from the national championship, what wh- what the outcome is uh, of right, this investigation right. with the NCAA. Uh, I thought maybe... You know, there would be a playoff suspension for a couple of years. Um, but now it's interesting to see, do you suspend the national champions? Or if you suspend the national champions, is this title vacated? Um, and, you know, while I think that maybe those are some extreme measures, um, now it will be interesting to see because there are a lot of people changing their tune on how they feel about Michigan right about now. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy is all of a sudden getting all of this praise and uh he didn't have a great national championship really didn't have a great final two months of the season if i'm being honest Uh, i mean we're talking about a guy who didn't throw a touchdown uh in the national championship didn't he i feel like didn't he i think i saw said he only complete like 15 passes in the entire game like at most six after six completions after the first half um whether you think he's a talented quarterback or not i don't think is the argue but to act like this uh postseason was his i think is just uh, a fallacy Honestly, this was definitely uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards Central as well as uh, a well-coached defense. Yeah, uh, I think Donovan Edwards, uh, with the way that game started, I was fully expecting to see the Randy Moss stat with the three catches, yeah. some 107 yards, three touchdowns. I saw it was like two 87 and two touchdowns. I was like, he's going to have the greatest game I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, obviously he eventually slowed down. But, I mean, honestly, look, those semifinal games were great. And I know the national championship, it was close throughout. I'll agree with that. Um, But that Michigan win over Alabama, um, I mean, credit to Michigan because if they, I mean, Alabama took control of that game in the second half. It looked like Alabama had gained control and everything was theirs. And then credit Harbaugh on them. It was, I think it was like a fourth and four at their own 30, maybe, or something like that. You know, five minutes left in the game, they went for it. I respect them and they got a huge gain out of it. So it took some gutsy plays to get that win over Alabama and then a goal line stand in overtime to get it and... You know, I got to say it to Jalen Milrow, follow your guard. If you look at that play originally, I said, what kind of stupid play call was that for a fourth and goal play for Alabama? But when that, they show an angle, you see when the guard blocked into the right, there's a hole there. Yeah. It's open. He could walk in for a touchdown, but he didn't follow him in. And that's ultimately what cost him. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was my immediate instinct when I watched the play unfold. I'm like, how do you go uh, QB draw here, QB power? Um, you, you've got to throw the ball here. Uh, I know Milrose a good runner, but what is this? But yeah, you go back and you see that angle, you see that pulling guard. And I mean, seriously, the guard got five yards up the field, uh, or maybe not even that he got almost to the goal line yeah. and nobody in front of him. Milro follows him and it's a clear path for a touchdown. So I was a little bit surprised there. 
uh, with the play call, but ultimately it, right. it was just one wrong read away. Uh, a lot of people are going to turn turned on Alabama and turned on Jalen Milrow saying, "Oh, this is the this is the play you call." But uh, I think one bad read um, really kind of downplayed. Uh, a really good offensive second half that powered them back into this game. Uh, a lot of people called it a, a bad game from Alabama, and I, I just disagree. I think you know if that if Jalen Milrow follows his guard and scores the touchdown there, we're not having this conversation. Yeah, we might be having a totally different conversation yeah. about who's our national champion at this point, honestly. Absolutely. Um, and when you look at this national championship game, uh, you look at um, Washington's offensive line. And it was really the biggest part of the game. Penix was under pressure constantly all the game. Led to him overthrowing a couple balls. Though, uh, the fourth down to Rome Odunze, a lot of people were calling it an o- overthrow. To me, Odunze's got it in two hands. Had he stay- I think had he stayed on his feet and not tried to lay out for it, it's a catch. I think yeah. uh, that extra hop in the air just kind of made it a little bit harder to field personally. Yeah. Um, for me, that national championship, number one, uh, even though the score is a blowout, it was close throughout. Yeah. It should not have been this close, honestly. If you watched that game and that first quarter, you honestly thought Michigan might win this game by 30, 40 points with the way it started. But for some reason, you know, brilliant, brilliant coaches are like, you know, the run game's working. Let's just go away from it. Let's throw the football. And, you know, it was it was a bold play. Now, eventually Washington shut down their run game for somewhat. So I give them credit there. But that was started with Michigan doing that. So this went to halftime. This was a, I believe it was what? It was a seven-point seven game. Point it was 17-10 at halftime. And I'm like, how in the world is this a one-score game at halftime? It made no sense. Um, but like you said, that O-line for Washington just had trouble doing it. And then the Washington defense just couldn't stop the Michigan run game. Over 300 yards allowed, the most allowed in a national championship game. Um, if this isn't a welcome to the Big Ten moment for them and maybe for Oregon Dan Landing, who was with ESPN staff for the game, I don't know what is. But they're, they're going to need to get in the weight room more if they want to be able to compete in that Big Ten next year. But I was heartbroken for Michael Penix. I wanted him to win it. Um, but, yeah, you saw that pressure got to him. And he just he made some uncharacteristic throws. That fourth down to Romo Dunze, uh, one of the ones where he was, like, turned around. I get why Michael Penix – threw it to the outside because Romo Dunze is running a post in and the safety's right there, but he completely shifts Romo Dunze and throws it to the outside and makes him try to turn around for it. And I'm like, I, I get it, but it's just, it feels just something's off. And there was, and also no wide receiver from Washington could catch a pass to save their life in that game too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you think about it when Michael Penix got the balls on target, um, either you had a lot of drops or there were a lot of holding penalties right. that cost some of the big plays. And now, um, something I'll point out to you, I don't know if you saw, but in the fourth quarter, they were down by 7 or 14, yeah. um, driving the field. Was this the big, deep pass yes, they converted? Yes, deep pass. You have the hold. And I get that maybe technically it is a hold, or at least looks like a hold. Um, but then to have on the very next yep. drive for Michigan, uh, their whole drive saved by a massive completion on a, a blatant hold that saved a sack. Um, it just kind of felt like there wasn't uh, the same level of uh, attention with Michigan's offensive line. And, again, I'm not going to go out and say that the that holding penalty changed the entire right, course right, of right. this game. Um, but it, it does lead to some interesting thoughts about, uh, again, how things are called and how different things are officiated. But to me, the big issue was you come into this game 
Uh, and JJ McCarthy's had an underwhelming finish to the season. Obviously, I'm bringing. I, I you got to bring six guys every play until JJ McCarthy beats you, which he didn't do. He never beat them. Uh, they got beat down by the run game, and I don't entirely think it was that. Uh, they just couldn't defend the run. I think it's that they just refused to. They, I, it looked felt like they were bringing f- three, four guys and sitting in pass coverage far too many times uh, for a team that, d- with JJ McCarthy, I think uh, the uh, that semifinal game was the only game in the last two months that he attempted more than twenty passes yeah. and thrown for more than one hundred and fifty yards. And the only thing I can think of is just Washington did the the thing that all coaches do. They're like, you know, we know they're running the football, but we're gonna we think they're gonna pass the football more, yeah. so we're gonna go with that. It, I mean, look at Joe Brady for the Bills. The quote this year, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, don't switch it until it works. If they want to keep on running the football, bring eight guys into the box. Literally dare them to throw the football against you. That's the only thing I would say, if anything. And, yeah, but, I mean, credit to Michigan. They had to win a tough game against Alabama. And credit to their defense for shutting down that Washington offense the best they can. Um, yeah, national championship. And now, now we sit here wondering... Was that Jim Harbaugh's final college football game? Yeah, uh, it certainly feels like it. Um, the NFL is going to be calling for sure. There are a lot of openings and a lot of teams uh, that are maybe interested in. He may be interested in getting out of Dodge um, with you know the latest uh, scandal news. Well, obviously, we'll see how the NCAA handles the whole situation. Right. Um, but with that. Let's take a glance at uh, our records coming out of this bowl season. Uh, Bowl bonanza, if you will. Um, And I came out of this a whopping 24-18. and uh, Somehow, just six games over 500. I honestly didn't expect it. Started good, and then I noticed about halfway through I was starting to get uh, down. Uh, But... Kind of close it out in the end to go six games over. And I forget, you had you had the same national championship as me, correct? I had Alabama-Washington. Yep, and did you pick Washington for it? I did pick okay. Washington All right. to win. All right, gotcha. Um, was a very close race between the two of us. Obviously, you were winning the bowl game picks. So if you're leading, whenever I say my record, you have officially won the college football bowl games. And I will officially congratulate you, sir. I finished 22-20. and 20. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, probably, what, five games yeah. uh, over the th- for me? Yeah, the thing that I, I believe so, I'd go do, I'll go do the official math and we can get the official results for, for next week. But you were winning before, so, I mean, it was pretty clear. Yeah. You won that now. Uh, NFL official game picks, totally different story. We'll get to that later. Um, but, yeah, uh, I started out really good, and then it was that – very that second Saturday, like the second week where they had bowl games, I missed every single bowl game that day. Oof. I missed seven in a row. That that's, got that's me down. Cool. I finished tied for last in my family bowl game picks. My sister's dog came in third place ahead of me. That's tough. That is embarrassing. Those are tough. But ones. I was tied for last, so I wasn't in dead last by myself. But congrats to this man winning the college football bowl game. Uh, picks and just the picks all year. I mean, you yeah. are the college football wizard. I don't know what to say. We had a really good year making picks this year. Uh, I believe that's going to put us both over 500. I believe so. In college football, which is something we definitely couldn't say last year, I don't think. Ugh, no, it was, not a, it was not a good year for either one of us last year in college football, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, that was – yeah, so congrats to you. Um, and I know you're thinking, that's it for college football. No, this man's got a special announcement 
for what we're going to be doing here in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned. What's this man's got to say? Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll have it done by next week. It all depends on how it all shakes out. But we've got our college football playoff awards. Uh, you knew it was coming. We've been hitting at the, the player of the year uh, all year. We've been hitting at the first team or the uh, Bull Take, all Bull Take podcast team. Um, but we've got a few other uh, awards that we yep. want to dish out. Um, and that'll be, obviously, like I just said, player of the year, defensive player of the year, freshman of the year, surprise player of the year, coach of the year, surprising team, and disappointing team. Yep. Um, so we will definitely get into those, start cracking the numbers out on some of those, and try to bring you uh, what we think best represents uh, our thoughts here at the Bull Take Podcast. And I'm sure we'll try to get a little fan involvement yeah, in Yeah, I was about too. to say, we, we plan to. Um, and, of course, when and now, if you aren't able to listen to that episode, we plan on posting our winners onto Instagram Absolutely. and Twitter and every or X, whatever you call it. I don't, I don't even want to get into that. Um, but we'll have the awards on there and everything. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to do it, especially for Freshman of the Year, because I think there's a lot of good candidates yes, for Freshman absolutely. of the Year. Uh, coach of the Year, I have one in mind. I won't say who, but I got a coach in mind for it. But, yeah, that's our college football news. I think that was pretty good. Yeah, college football news. Uh, obviously, like I said, it's kind of the college football eve. One more yeah. episode for the season. Um, but, yes, it's been a treat this college football season. I feel like it's been the best one yet. Yeah, and, I mean, we're just we're just hinting at it. You know, 12 team. They did, a gra- they did a commercial for it during the national championship of what the 12 team playoff could be. Speaking of commercials, <clears throat> um, EA. What's the deal? What what's what's the deal? Um, you know, I, I blame myself partly for starting for believing that they would actually do it. Yeah. Um, there, in, in case you don't know, what I'm talking about NCAA or EA Sports. There was an announcement that there was going to be some sort of announcement during the game involving the new college football game, which they still said is expected to come out this summer. And what I thought was, oh my goodness, we're going to get a release date so I can pre-order it. Yeah. And just. Because, I mean, the second that's available for pre-ordering, I don't care what the price is, I'm paying it. Um, but yeah. we didn't get anything. I stuck around for the post game until about 11.30 waiting for something. And, yeah. Um, so did I. It's uh, disappointing. Again, I've heard everything is still on track for it. I just I thought we'd receive some kind of news by now. And, I mean, that had been rumored for <laughs> weeks about it. So, yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, uh, a little bit disappointing. Um yeah, my my big thought is, you know, they say everything's still going on track, and but you know we're getting close to that that summer deadline that they set for this game to come out, and with no news whatsoever, starts to worry you about the development. I mean, at, at some point, that especially by now, this game's got to start being in testing and stuff, right? Uh, to be able to make this uh, deadline and you know be a solid game. Um, so it does start to worry me that it may get delayed or canceled altogether. Uh, who knows? Yeah, and I mean, I mean that again. That's what I'm thinking. Like, listen, usually with football video games, a trailer doesn't come out till like a month before the game comes yeah. out. So I wasn't expecting a full blown college football trailer. I was just expecting there to be like some sort of like little tease or something. You know that Anything. that's a, that's all I was aiming <laughs> for. But 
Yeah, unfortunately, no news there. I mean, who knows? Hopefully, while we're recording this, there is a full trailer that is being dropped during it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, but now, I think we should get into the NFL news. Yeah. Um, and plenty of it was added this afternoon. <laughs> um, of course, in case you're not, regular season came to an end. And behind us, uh, on our screen, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we have our playoff teams. The playoff matchups are set. Somehow, in the AFC, we have our top seven. I'd, the yeah. NFC, it felt like we were coming down the wire. We knew. The AFC, I did not know what even was going to come close to happening week 18. But somehow, we got it all set. And all I have to say is a round of applause to this man right here. People judged him. They, they mocked him. Me. <laughs> For picking the Houston Texans to win the AFC South in the preseason. And that man said, you know what? I hear you. I don't care. I'm picking them. And look. Who is the four seed hosting a home playoff game for the AFC South? The Houston Texans. The Houston so, sir, Texans. congratulations Thank for being you. a genius. You Thank did this you. with the Raiders a few years ago. Yes. You did it with the Eagles, I think, in 2019, 2020, I so. 2019, I think, or 2021, whenever we didn't know what to expect with them. Uh, but, yeah, man, you are just – you're a wizard at finding those surprise teams. I can sniff out one surprise team a year. Um, I will say uh, another pick I like to give myself a little credit on. I picked the Buffalo Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if they'll go to the Super Bowl, but they had a rough start to the season. They powered through. They won their division, and they were the two seed in the AFC um, if that doesn't tell you uh, the kind of superpower this team mm-hmm. is right now, um, I don't know what to tell you. But, uh, yeah, uh, shout-out to the Houston Texans. Honestly, they played exactly how I thought they would. Um, I, this division is usually a toss-up. Right. Uh, it's usually close. Um, and with no uh, not owning your own first-round pick this year and having uh, the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft and maybe the most pro-ready player in the entire draft and Will Anderson – um, taking those two guys, putting them on a team, and saying, go out there and give it your best, and having D'Amico Ryans have an incredible performance as the head coach. Um, really just all came together. Um, but this is exactly what I expected from this team. I'm not surprised, um, even though I know there are people yeah. out there that are. <laughs> yeah, everyone else is surprised, but you're just like, you know, I expect this. I don't know what you people are talking about. Um, but we're going to get into the playoff talk and the teams here in a second. But... As an NFL tradition, once Week 18 comes to an end, it's the dreaded, I guess you could say it was Black Monday, but it felt like just a black week for head coaches all around where you wonder who's yeah. sticking around, who's it going to be. And there's a couple we look at and say, you know, we expected that. Uh, and black then Monday and they started three, three minutes into Monday. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, we'll get to that one first. And then we had two over the last two days, which are just, um, we'll, call, we'll call them interesting, I think is yeah. the right way to describe it. But let's get into the first one. Falcons firing Arthur Smith. Um, I mean, there's no other way to say this. This kind of felt like after the way they finished the year, this kind of felt like it was coming. Three straight 7-10 and ten seasons. You have a you draft a top four tight end in Kyle Pitts. Hardly use him. You use a top ten pick on a running back, B. John Robinson. Hardly use him. Top five pick on a receiver, right? Drake London was like I think it was top ten. Top ten. Maybe. Um, it's hard, up there. Yeah, hardly use him. Thought Desmond Ritter was the answer at quarterback. I mean, that answers itself. Um, but now the Falcons, they're in a weird territory. They're not in rebuild mode, but yet they're not in ultimate competitive mode. So it's an interesting spot, but your thoughts on the firing? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think this is the right move. I never was really impressed with uh, Arthur Smith. Right, uh, right. But um, one thing I'll say for sure is that um, you're, this this should be a highly coveted job. Um 
Kyle Pitts has shown flashes. Drake London has shown flashes. Bijan Robinson has shown yeah. flashes uh, in their limited appearances. These are good, young, freak athletes yeah. um, that you have a chance to do something special with. You're a quarterback away. This is a really good quarterback class. Um, you maybe even have some assets if you want to try and uh, acquire right. a super talented guy. Um, I'd be interested to see maybe if they went after one of these more athletic quarterbacks in the draft class, a Jaden Daniels, a Caleb Williams, or maybe even a Michael Penix, and they maybe tried to lure in Todd Munkin and kind of run an <laughs> offense similar to the way uh, the Baltimore Ravens run. I like um, that. You've got a powerful run game. You've got a solid tight end. You bring in a young athletic quarterback or a talented athletic quarterback from somewhere across the league that maybe is going to be on the move. I'd hate to say it, but Justin Fields could potentially be on the trade block. He's from Atlanta. I could, mean, that would be a – if it is, Todd Munkin, beautiful fit there. Yeah, beautiful fit. Absolutely. Uh, obviously not something I want to happen, but – Something that you got to think about if you're Atlanta and you're making these moves. Um, I think this should be a highly coveted job. I think they made the right decision. You're 7-10 and 10, three years in a row. You clearly know you're almost there. Right. You're a quarterback and a coach away. I think you go out, you make a big hire and a coach. Somebody should want this job and find yourself a quarterback in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be an interesting job to keep an eye on, of course. And a big thing also with this, remember, some of the coaching interview stuff has been moved back for the playoffs, and I think that's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And also, you might see some teams make those late firings like we've seen over the past couple of days because they know that these some of these coaching interviews, they can get their requests in. And they've already requested some people for that Falcons job. And this other one, the second one on Black Monday, Washington Commanders firing Ron Rivera, something we all know was going to happen probably for the past eight weeks. But also, they have removed the GM <coughs> title from Martin Mayhew. So he isn't fired. He's still in the organization, just no longer GM. So they're looking for a new GM and a new head coach. And really... If For the commanders, it's simple. New ownership, everything's there. This is a type of move that sets the culture for this new ownership and where they're going to be as a franchise and really just kind of resetting everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's clear they kind of wanted to go into a reset mode here. Um, obviously, the change of ownership. Then you see Montez Sweat and Chase Young shipped yep. out. And not for the, the price they were probably worth, um, probably especially when you look at the uh, finish Montez Sweat had to the oh, season. Oh, yeah. Leading two teams in sacks. Um, Impressive. It, it definitely doesn't seem like they got what they were worth, but it's almost like just trying to get some assets, just trying to get a reset. And absolutely, I, I think... You know, I like Ron Rivera as a coach. I think he's a great leader, but clearly it wasn't working out there. And I think really they need to move in the direction of getting someone uh, that can kind of manufacture a good offense here. Um, you know, it was one thing to bring Ron Rivera in when you had Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jared Allen, uh, and Montez Sweat. You had this fierce defense. Um, get somebody in that can coach up the defense, and then hopefully the offense can be good enough to get through. Um, but now if you're going with a complete reset, whether Sam Howell ends up being the future or another young quarterback, I think maybe sticking in the system with Eric right. the enemy or going somewhere else uh, and getting somebody who can kind of manufacture a solid offense because, as we all know, that seems to be the most important thing to happen in the NFL. And you look at this team. I mean, you have new head coach, new GM. They have the number two pick in the NFL draft. I believe they have the most one of, if not the most, cap room in the league this offseason. So, I mean, <laughs> this is a massive offseason for the future of the Commanders, and you wonder what it sets for that culture. Um, and honestly, if you're the Commanders, and remember a big thing, they, they hired Bob Myers, the former Warriors GM, and Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM, to kind of be the, 
leaders in this search, which, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I have nothing against Bob Meyer. Um, clearly, I mean, his stats don't lie, what he did at Golden State. Um, but it's clear they're being very diligent trying to make this search happen and find the right leader overall and maybe a guy that they know that they can rely on being here for a long time. Yeah, uh, it, it is kind of interesting um, to go to Bob Myers. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he's what he did in the NBA is great. Yeah, exactly. Um, my wonder is how much he really knows about what's gonna t- what it's going to take to make the right, you know, football coach. Right. Um, but I, I think that certainly if you're looking to get just any kind of outside perspective on, you know, some good qualities that make up a head coach, certainly he made the right pick when – he made, uh, I will say, at the time, it was kind of a semi-controversial uh, firing and hiring of Mark Jackson to bring in right. uh, Steve Kerr. But obviously, Steve Kerr has now kind of outlasted him in Golden State <laughs> and is still leading this team. Um, so clearly, uh, you know, he's he knows what he's doing uh, to an extent. And uh, certainly, it, it seems like at least they uh, care enough to try and figure out what's best for this team. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a team to keep an eye on in this coaching sir. I'm sure there's a lot of people that could be going uh, with here and going to be interested to see. The next one that happened, Panthers haven't already fired Frank Reich, um, have fired GM Scott Fitter. And this one, again, was well overdue. Um, uh, if there's anyone who uh, was happy that when this man was Panthers GM, it'd be this man right here, right next to me. I <laughs> um, Making probably um, one of the worst trades in recent memory, making the Russell Wilson deal kind of look logical. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has worked out in your favor, number one pick for y'all again. Uh, but the Panthers, I mean, listen, I get Dave Temper's kind of uh, not the nicest person, clearly we've seen that recently, but this is a move that had to be made. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. Um you know, you looked back on it last year, and there was maybe some potential upside uh, to that number one pick trade. Right. Um, you really look at, uh, you know, you're getting the number one pick, you're getting your chance to get your franchise quarterback. Yeah, of course, there's a little bit of a cost to it. But now as we look back, um, they didn't expect the cost to be this much. They expected to come out and obviously do something. They didn't. That pick becomes the number one pick that they gave up. Uh, as well as a lot of other draft assets. DJ Moore has another phenomenal 1,000-yard season. Um, and Bryce Young, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, this is the only part uh, that I disagree with. I don't think Bryce Young was the wrong no. choice. Um, again, I said it coming into the draft. Bryce Young has a lot of upside. Um, CJ Stroud's more pro-ready. Um, that was the exact words we said was, Bryce Young will probably be the best QB, maybe the best QB in this draft in like three or four years. But the best one right away is C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Um, so I think that giving up on him right away and saying that he wasn't the right pick I think is a bit of a reach. Obviously, Stroud did more, but they did more for Stroud right, as well. Right, they built right. a situation where he could win. Um, I mean, obviously, they didn't even give Frank Reich the full season, uh, let alone time to actually rebuild the team. So... Hopefully, at least with this uh, changing of the guard at GM and head coach, the idea is keeping Bryce Young uh, in mind um, and you know setting him up for uh, you know a long road to a rebuild and good development. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. And look again, I keep on saying these top three jobs are all three in the NFC. There's a pretty good NFC offensive coordinator who we all know everyone's going to go and covet. And really, when we get to these other hires, we'll talk about it. If they, if this is a season 
to fire this is the season to fire your coach with the amount of available head coaches that could become um, have different spots they could go, especially yeah. in different spots. This is the one. Uh, next up, New York Giants really quick. They made some moves, uh, really, uh, just really wasn't on Black Monday, and it really isn't a big move, but it's a lot of moves. Defensive coordinator Wink Martindale resigned. They mutually parted ways. They had problems with Brian Dayball. Um, he was great defensively for the Giants, turned them into a good defense. Special teams coordinator is fired. Running backs coach left to take the offensive coordinator job at Syracuse. O-line coach, fired. Outside linebacker coach, fired. And a defensive assistant, fired. So a lot of staff changes coming in for Brian Dayball and them after a season where things just kind of really fell apart for them. Uh, your thoughts on, on some of these moves for the Giants? I think it's a it's an interesting spot losing all uh, having all those firings occur. Yeah, uh, it certainly kind of raises some questions because, you know, they had such a good season in Dable's first season, and then the season wasn't great this year, but you look at kind of some of the circumstances around it, and you can't necessarily blame everybody, but clearly they want some sort of a reset. Um, and, you know, you talk about the whole Wink Martindale situation where, you know, it seemed like, you know, there were reports that him and Dable just didn't get along. Right. They didn't agree on anything. Um, but, you know, in interviews, they always talked about how that, that's not true, but clearly resigning <laughs> as soon as the season ends. And then, like, ultimately, as they now say, like, mutually parting ways. Yeah. I mean, something's up. Something was up. So, it's a wonder what they'll be able to do out there uh, in New York. But, yeah, certainly this is slightly alarming, and maybe we could see a little bit of a reset out there in uh, New York, uh, especially with, you know, a lot of the staff changes. Maybe so. And then uh, the next big one, this one was one of the bigger shockers. The Titans firing Mike Vrabel. And not only did they not fire him, um, I actually learned, I didn't know if you heard this or not, uh, the owner did not tell the GM that, that they were planning to do this. The GM, the owner, they went right over the top of the GM for this firing. But look, Mike Vrabel, you look at his record over the past couple of years, you say, okay, this kind of makes sense. You know, they've kind of been stuck in neutral um, since that A.J. Brown trade. Uh, which you trade, let's be fair, when you see his reaction to the draft, something he was not in- interested in doing. Um, yeah, he had just gone on record saying that they were going to do whatever it took to keep him uh, in Tennessee, and then they didn't yep. do that. <laughs> but now, uh, but then these past lost what felt like a struggle, because remember the GM got fired last year midseason, and then this happens. I mean, it feels kind of odd for Tennessee, and you think about it, Derrick Henry, the way he talked after their win against the Jaguars, appreciate that win still tightened. You have no idea. Um, yeah. When you look at it, he sounded emotional like he knew he wasn't coming back. And then Kevin Byard got traded this uh, trade deadline to the Eagles. A lot of veterans were let go of the recent years, Taylor Luan and all them. It just feels like, like a full-on, <laughs> in my opinion, the only way you make this move is if you're committing to a rebuild, you're committing to Will Levis, and want to get a quarterback to go may be more QB friendly. That's the only thing that makes me feel make any sense about this surprising move. Yeah, obviously I, I don't personally I don't get this one. Yeah. Um I get that he in the last two years hasn't had the same success as the first four years. Um but you look at what they've done, they've done nothing but take. Take Taylor the one, take AJ Brown, take, 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 and no give except Will Levis. Um, yeah. you know He's been a, a great bright spot for them this season, and maybe the given DeAndre Hopkins, but when you take so many of these core pieces of this team and you just kind of throw them away and you expect him to just keep making something out of nothing, um, obviously 
that's something that just can't be controlled. I, I think Vrabel, uh, this is one of those situations where this is going to be a guy that's going to get another head coaching job uh, within the same year um, because this is one of those that it just doesn't make sense. And I think maybe the most disappointing point of the whole thing is that um, they wanted to just fire him outright. They didn't want to have to deal with the hassle of trading uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, even though that could have potentially set this team up for yeah. something. Would have given you some draft picks, wouldn't have hurt. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's one thing, I'll say this, had you fielded some offers and didn't really get a good trade, didn't really get anything that you think is worth it, I get it. Maybe don't make a trade then. Um, but when you just say, when the report comes out that says you didn't want to deal with the hassle, you thought it'd be too complicated and you just wanted to get rid of him, um, that puts the fan base against you. Um, and it just kind of makes you look stupid. Yeah, uh, it really does. Uh, and then you just, you just think about the moves in recent years. AJ, ever since that AJ Brown trade, it has just been downhill for this entire team. Um, obviously there's a lot to think about for the future, but it seems like, at least to me, the plan is to build around Will Levis. That seems to be the future plan. I yeah. could be wrong there, but I feel like that's the only way you can go. Because other than that, this feels like you're doing a full rebuild with this roster and everything. Yeah. That's all I think. This next one involves this man's Chicago Bears uh, making a lot of moves today. Uh, first off, firing offensive coordinator Luke Getze, uh, quarterback's coach running backs coach, wide receivers coach, and assistant tight ends coach, pretty much overhauling the entire offensive staff. And I'll just get my opinion on it out of the way, and then you have the floor for who knows how long with it. But to me, it just feels like, look, the way the defense finished the season, we know what we got in this defense. And they're pretty much saying the offense at times struggled. We need to come up with a staff and form a plan around, whether it be Justin Fields or whoever they want in the NFL draft, uh, just to build better for this offense. That's the only thing I can think of making this move. Um, you, sir, have the floor. Um, I, I'm happy with uh, the decisions that were made today. Um, and that extends to the Matt Eberflus uh, going to stick around for next year. Um, it's the last year on his contract, um, and he coached a great defense this past year, uh, especially to close out the year. Right, right. Um this move to me makes it seem as the the way I want this to go. Justin Fields will be the quarterback next year. Okay. If you're keeping your head coach and you have the number one pick, but you're scrapping all your offensive coaches, to me that says what we had going at the end of the year was good and our offense showed flashes. We need to get the right guys in here to help these guys execute and bring them to their full potential. Um, our final offensive player of the year, uh, in incredibly, uh, you know, fitting fashion was a screen pass on third and 22. Um, and that was just Luke Getze's thing. I, I don't know why, but, uh, it was like he was stuck in screen, the screen pass menu. Yep. Uh, I, I just don't know <laughs> what the whole deal was there. Uh, that's, you know, he was supposed to be this great offensive mind from Green Bay, yeah. Matt LaFleur coached him well, and Aaron Rodgers loved him, but uh, clearly that looked nothing like Matt LaFleur's offense in the slightest. I mean, we watched them play against each other in Week 18. I mean. <laughs> uh, clearly it wasn't the same thing. Uh, Jordan Love yeah, he has permission in his first year as the starter to throw the ball down the field. So 
Um, it just seems like Justin Fields executed so well in the opportunities where he got to shine throwing the ball and running the ball. Uh, but he didn't get a lot of opportunities to throw the ball up the field and to even use his legs, the one thing he did well last year. Um, so hopefully this is a move that allows us to build an offensive staff around Justin Fields and allows us to use that number one pick uh, to trade around and add some assets that are going to put this team in the playoffs next year. Um, it To me, I don't want to get rid of Justin Fields. That's you don't. Um, I'm shocked by this. It's totally shocking yeah. news to me. This is do that would be doomsday for me. But if we're going to take a quarterback in number one, whether it be Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, whoever it is, Eberflus has to go. We need a whole entire culture right. reset. Um, we can't have a quarterback behind after his first year because he's paired with a coach that doesn't work out. I mean, let's look at, that's basically kind of what happened with Justin Fields. I mean, Matt Nagy, look how that situation was. It's the same thing that happened to Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) Yep. It's, it's a cycle that's happening in Chicago right now where we give up on a quarterback and Cutler, we give up on Cutler and John Fox's last year, we bring in uh, Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Um, And Trubisky has a rough first year. Decide to get rid of the coach, bring in Nagy, slowly build, get rid of Trubisky, bring in Fields. Nagy gets one more shot at it, and it's just got to stop. At some point, you've got to realize the best teams pair coaches with players, right. um, and that's just how it works. You have to have your quarterback and the head coach on the same page and together. And so if Eberflus isn't the guy, if Fields isn't the guy, uh, then there needs to be a reset uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, again, it would be absolutely worst-case scenario for me, but I would despise keeping Matt Eberflus and drafting anybody with the number one overall pick. Absolutely. Um, but now, in my, in my opinion, hear me out for something. Um, call me crazy. What about Frank Reich for offensive coordinator? How would you feel about that? Because I know there's some connections with Matt Eberflus, obviously. So. Yeah, um, there's potential. Uh, I don't dislike Frank Reich. Um, he had some good years uh, in Philadelphia. His first few years in Indianapolis were good. Uh, I really think that he got the short end of the stick. I mean, he came into a job, and I'm sure he expected, like the rest of us, that he was going to get some grace in right. uh, a, you know, a rebuilding period. Uh, I mean, clearly that's where this team was headed. Um, and now he's fired halfway through his yep. first year uh, with a rebuilding team. Um, so I, I would like Frank Reich. The enemy's a guy I would want, but I don't know if he wants to just keep bouncing around as an right. offensive coordinator. Right. Um, a, a guy I'd really like to see that I think would be fun <laughs> is Cliff Kingsbury. Ooh. He's a guy that I wanted when he okay. got fired. Um, but obviously he said he didn't want to take any coaching jobs right away. Um, but I think that he's going to get some phone calls, and I'd like to see him. I just want somebody who is a competent offensive play caller to come out and, and coach Justin Fields or whoever plays quarterback. Um, it, it, it's just got to be – we've got to start embracing spending a little money and bringing yeah. in somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, basically, in my opinion, someone who's going to let the offense be open. That's not going to hold it back. Someone's like, listen – we're not, we're not, we're not screwing around here. We're going to run this offense yeah. this way, and if it doesn't work for you, we're going to make changes. Uh, and the final head coaching move, as of right now, because who knows what happens after this wild card weekend with some coaches. Yeah. Um, the Seattle Seahawks. Yep, you heard me right. Seattle Seahawks. 
not, I guess you could say, firing Pete Carroll, <laughs> moving him to a team advisor role. But he's out as head coach. Of course, was the oldest coach in the NFL at 72, 73, I think. And, uh, you know, at first I thought this was interesting because a few days ago it sounded like Pete Carroll was like, I'm going to be back next year as the head coach. I'm going to be back and, you know, that's going to stop me. And then all of a sudden this move happens. So then you're wondering, was there like a mutual agreement? Then there's the Pete Carroll press conference that happened today where he sounds, at least to me, and it seems like with you, like a guy who still wants to coach football. Yeah, uh, you know, he was talking about, I'm not worn down. Uh, You know, a lot of people tried. A lot of people thought I'd be worn down at this point, but I'm not. I'm ready to keep coming back and going. Uh, To me, that sounds like a guy that wants to keep coaching. It sounds like a guy that uh, didn't want to be out as the head coach. And to me, this is the most brainless, irresponsible, ridiculous decision um, that could have been made in the NFL. I, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was upset about the Vrabel firing. Um, but this one, yeah. But this one, I mean, uh, at least your excuse with Vrabel missed the last two years of postseason. You know, you want to do something different. Um, but with uh, Pete Carroll, you know, he told you, I don't want to be a part of the re- I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. I want to keep going. Uh, I want to keep competing. And then right. it seemed like maybe they were going to start to rebuild and they make the playoffs last year. Um, and he just kind of rode with it, no matter the direction they went. And it just feels like a disservice to a guy who has done a lot for this organization um, to just kind of, I don't know, It's it was like the nicest way they could think of fi- firing him is yeah. by turning him into an advisor. I truly hope that Pete Carroll gets another head coaching job, whether that is in the NFL or I think it'd be interesting to see him go back to the NCAA again um, I mean, and take that Alabama job. I was job. about to say, Alabama job's open right now, so... Who, who knows what could happen there? Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's won a national championship, unless you're the NCAA, um, yeah. who says that he hasn't. Yeah. But, um, but anyone with eyes that were around then yeah. saw, saw that. Uh. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you can say, you can take away the title, but you can't take away the trophy. I was about to say, yeah. But that's it for all the coaching news right now. Who, who knows what happens later tonight? Obviously, Bill Belichick. That's a big one that everyone's waiting on. Absolutely. Because everyone's wondering, is Bill Belichick going to be available for people? Because that's someone I'm sure people are wondering and would gladly take a coach who's won, you know, a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, just a few. You know, just a few. Um, really, some coaching decisions for the wildcard teams. If the Cowboys were to implode against the Packers this weekend... Is that it for Mike McCarthy? If the Steelers get blown out by the Bills, <laughs> you wonder if that's it for Mike Tomlin. There have been rumblings about him considering going somewhere else or just hanging him up. Um, and like I said, this feels like a time when if you're going to fire your coach and get someone, this is the cycle to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, there's a lot of promising talent right now. Um, you know, reports are that Mike McCarthy's performance this postseason heavily depends on his future there. Yep. Um, like you said, there's been a lot of rumblings with Tomlin. Um, and then you got to think about other guys who are, you know, coordinators on playoff teams that are just waiting until their team's run is over to start taking calls. You think of Ben Johnson and uh, I can't think of the Aaron Glenn. There, Aaron Glenn. Yep. Um, I mean, they've already got several requests the Lions have to interview yeah. them, so that tells you that. And Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, he's getting some uh, calls. Uh, QB's coach in Miami is going to be a guy yeah. that I think is going to get calls for an offensive coordinator job or a head coaching job. Dan Quinn is a guy that the Seahawks I was about to say, yeah, that, that one, I mean, they're familiar with him. Pete Carroll knows him well. Yeah. I mean, that's one that just seems he's right. coached a team to a Super Bowl. 
Um, clearly, and he's got a lot of solid young pieces and, in that defense. And you think about it as well, <laughs> like what? Think about the situation you're in if the Cowboys lose and they fire Mike McCarthy. Do you consider elevating Dan Quinn? Yep. Do you consider letting him walk? I mean, it's it's a situation that we're going to have to wait and see after this weekend of the playoff football. But enough talk about these coaches and the jobs and everything. Let's talk about this thing that we were that this episode is mainly about. Playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs are officially here for the NFL. We have our seven teams, and we're going to start with the NFC. However, we're going to start with the final game pick results from the regular season. It was neck and neck down to the wire. Of course, as you know, we didn't do an episode last week. Had some things that occurred um, that we couldn't record. But the final results, Mr. Hill, you have finished with a 51-40 and 40 record. Wow, wow. Absolutely impressive. And I would shake your hand and give you the victory, but actually, I did not win either. We are tied at 51-40. and 40. So, I give us credit. Somehow, we after all of this, we are the same. We are in the same. You you, you adjusting your mic over yes, there? Yes, I am. I was uh, <laughs> starting to bother me. Oh, <laughs> all, all good. No worry. I was about to say, they, they can still hear you. We're good. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a lot going on with this NFL playoff picture. And those, honestly, those picks. I mean, I'm impressed with us both. Double-digit games over 500. Yeah, uh, that's impressive. Uh, again, certainly a step over where we were last year and yeah. where we've been in the past. Uh, we're just getting better. That's I mean, what can I we say? say? We act like we actually start paying attention to stuff. We might actually start getting good yeah. at it. It's crazy. Um, but we're going to quickly preview the N- uh, teams in the NFC and then AFC, going from 7-1. to one. And that number 7 seed, the Green Bay Packers, one of the youngest teams in NFL history to make the postseason they had the big move. They traded Aaron Rodgers this offseason, uh, moved on with some veterans, and everyone it kind of felt like this is the start. This is the start of everything going downhill for the Packers. And Jordan Love and this young receiving core that they have, why not have a number one option and some great tight ends, really kind of excelled this team. And after somewhat struggling start, they were able to finish the season strong, and here they are as a seven seed. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly what this team does. Um, in the postseason, but certainly uh, Jordan Love exceeded his expectations and has set Green Bay up for uh, you know a, a promising future. Absolutely, that sixth seed right ahead of them, the Los Angeles Rams, um, did not see this coming at the start of the season. No. You know, we all said, "Look, this is might be the beginning of the end for Matthew Stafford." What do we think? And then Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua come in, and their offense just starts to figure it out again. And their defense, while not being you know, fully elite, they have all worked together well enough to get this team to a sixth seed in the playoffs. <laughs> and, I mean, it truly is an impressive job by Sean McVay to somehow get this team to double-digit wins. Yeah, absolutely. I- I'm completely with you there. Um, it was a bit of a surprise. It looked like the beginning of the end. You move on from Jalen Ramsey, a guy they just got a couple of years ago, and it was like trying to recuperate draft picks, trying to embrace the future. Right. Um, and now... You see it. Uh, they're in the postseason. They've got another run left in them. Uh, so maybe it's not quite over for the Rams, at least not yet. Um, obviously, we'll see this performance, but who would have thought Matthew Stafford in a postseason game in Detroit? Um, yeah. Not exactly how the Lion fans would have drawn it up. Yeah, especially they wish it would have been, you know, with him actually on the roster, but 
Totally different thing. The number five seed, you know, we talk about Packers and Rams and a great job they did. This five seed is, they're, they're an interesting team. Yeah. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year was one of the top teams in the NFC. Rode to the Super Bowl. Was a really a whole uh, questionable holding call away from maybe having overtime in the Super Bowl. Start the season 10-1. and one. Everything looks like it's going well. Then they finish the season 11-6. and six. There are questions of, you know, from Jalen Hurts about leadership and guys owning up to it. There's reports of A.J. Brown and the team doing a, like one of those mystery like escape rooms to yeah. form team bonding, which it feels kind of late to do that. And yeah. then you have questions about the offense. They switch defensive coordinators. Uh, this is just a team you look at and – Honestly, you have no idea what to think as they head in the postseason. Yeah, uh, it's one of the most talented teams in the NFL, but they just have not been able to find it. Uh, it just seems like they're all over the place right now. They're going to be a scary team uh, to face off against, uh, especially for Tampa Bay. Um, but it, it's all about bringing it all together. Can they uh, Can they all get on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that will be interesting to see how they do with their opponent, which is the next one we're going to talk about, the winners of the NFC South. Somehow, some way, a team came out of there with a winning record. I don't know how. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team we thought would be a fun rebuild team this year. You know, wonder what Baker Mayfield could do. And he came in to make a statement, and he truly did with this good wide receiving core. And this defense, which was already talented under Todd Bowles, just needed to figure out how this offense could get going. And really, Baker Mayfield's provided that. They're 9-8. and eight. They're hosting a home playoff game. I think it's the third straight year that they've done that, third or fourth straight year. So I give, I give Todd Bowles and them a ton of credit for getting to this position again with Baker Mayfield as quarterback. And who knows, maybe they might have found their QB of the future. Yeah, um, you know, Baker Mayfield kind of got rode off in his time in Cleveland, but this guy is an exceptional football player. Should he, still be the Browns quarterback. He should be. He's should still the be best the quarterback they've had in a long time. Uh, until Joe Flacco. That's it. Um, cool Joe. But, yeah, I mean, this team has really exceeded expectations. Baker Mayfield continues to surprise and amaze. Uh, and Baker's not old. You know, he's a guy that you can invest in for right. a, a good long time, especially if, you know, he can kind of produce some longevity of some other uh, solid quarterbacks we've seen in NFL history. Um, he's still got at least five years left in him, uh, you know, under the right circumstances. Um, so put this guy, uh, you know, into your future plans and continue to be competitive. Um, it, it's really exciting for Tampa Bay what they what they have the potential to do. But obviously, Baker's going to be a free agent this offseason, and Mike Evans is going to yep. be a free agent this offseason. So come in. Uh, I guess it's going to depend on their performance this week, but. I, I think both of those guys should be getting extensions and be ready to perform uh, for years to come for this uh, type I, of crowd. I agree. And I think, obviously, the way they performed this year might have changed the mind of what it was going to be at the start of the season. Sure. Uh, now, we're going to get to, in my opinion, the uh, the elite levels for the NFC. The three seed should still be the two seed. Don't even get me started on the Dallas Lions game. You have the Detroit Lions as the number three seed in the NFC. Champions of the NFC North for the first time ever for the NFC North and their first title in the division since I, Barry Sanders was on the team. Um, so it's been a long time. Been a <laughs> and they're going to host, like we talked about, host their first home playoff game ever at Ford Field. Um, this is a team we all came into the year and felt kind of confident that they would be good. But the question is, would they actually reach those potential? And 
they somehow did. I don't know how, being one of the more hyped-up teams in the offseason, rarely do they meet the potential. And yet, here the Lions are 12-5 and five and showing. I mean, with a, competing against the Cowboys and really almost beating them, um, show that they can compete against the top in the NFC. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. This is uh, an extremely talented team. Um, they slowly built, slowly progressed, and everybody bought in. Um, it's an exciting time in Detroit right now. This team... Uh, you know, it was a bad call away from, uh, well, really a good call away from being the two seed. Um, fortunately, a bad pull, bad call cost him here. Um, but it, it's an exciting time, and boy, oh boy, uh, Detroit has life. Um, and finally, they got rid of that awful statistic that I'm tired of hearing uh, about um, Tampa Bay has won their division more recently than they have. They can yeah. finally uh, wash it out and embrace that they have won the NFC North for the very first time and that uh, they don't have to deal with a lot of that <laughs> drama for uh, a while. Yeah, and we talked about the team they played in that questionable game, the two-seed, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are an interesting team. They're, you see at times, we saw at times during the season, flashes of an elite football team. We've seen flashes of it. But down the stretch, there have been question marks yet again some question marks with coaching question marks in play calling and just performance from some of the players but nonetheless due to the Eagles collapse and them taking advantage of it they're the two seed in the NFC and are guaranteed if they were to win this weekend against the Green Bay Packers a a, another game at home in the playoffs and maybe reach an NFC championship for the first time in my lifetime and your lifetime uh so uh, your thoughts on the Cowboys here? Because they're they're an interesting team here. Yeah, they're a talented team, and like you said, they've shown flashes of a really elite football team. But it feels like uh, when the lights have been shining the brightest, they've had a tough time executing. And you know that's something that we've been saying the whole time during this Mike McCarthy era. Is it feels like when they play against the best, they don't have uh, oh they don't always play the best. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they shake out against Green Bay. Um, but this team will definitely be one to watch. They're not going to be an easy game, that's for sure. Absolutely. And the top of the NFC, the team that has crushed the two-seed Cowboys, the team that crushed the five-seed Eagles, and really has shown they are clearly the top team in the NFC, and that's the San Francisco 49ers getting that first-round by. Uh, look, you look at this team, there's a lot of good things to like about it. They have solid defensive line, pretty solid defensive core, one of solid offensive weapons, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and a quarterback who just makes those right throws in Brock Purdy. Um, my question for you is, we know how good this Niners team is. What would it take to not have this Niners team somehow make at least the NFC Championship? What would it take? Oh, well, I think it's really going to take um, having a good, like your defense just playing <laughs> their absolutely best game. Uh, we've seen the pass rush can have an effect on uh, Brock Purdy, uh, the Ravens used that super well uh, to kind of confuse and frustrate Purdy, and that caused a lot of mistakes. Um, but if you can't get to uh, Purdy and shut down those skill position players long enough to get to him, boy, oh boy, he makes your night miserable because this defense is good, especially this defensive line in San Francisco, but it feels like that secondary yeah. uh, isn't as good as it was uh, for years prior. Uh, some injuries and some big key losses um, it's still a talented secondary, but I feel like a, t- a good offense can come in and beat this defense, but even a good defense can't come in and shut down uh, this offense. It's going to take a great defense to get to Purdy and shut down all these options. So uh, I think pressure is the most important thing. Getting pressure on Purdy 
really helps uh, defeat this team. And I just don't know if there's a team in the NFC that's got that kind of power on the defensive line. Yeah, uh, the closest one, but they would need to perform better. You have the Philadelphia Eagles, who defeated them last year. Of course, no Brock Purdy for most of that game. Um, you look at Aaron Donald, maybe for the Rams, Micah Parsons for the Cowboys, but we saw when they went head-to-head earlier this year what happened there. Um, but in my opinion, for the Niners, something that we haven't really seen this season, whenever they get behind in games, they struggle. Whenever they get behind early and looks like this offense is not built to come from behind. This is an offense, whenever you're to c- control the clock and really just – Go down with a normal offense and control the game. If you get on them early and make them play from behind, that is probably your best chance to beat them and make them play from behind the whole game. They get up on you early, you might as well kiss your chances goodbye, at least in my opinion, because it'd be hard for anyone to be able to do that. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, uh, this is a team that has a great offense. It's hard to stop. And then, yeah, once they get up, that good, solid defense is going to come out and get the stops that they need. Absolutely. But that's the NFC side. AFC teams, let's start with number seven, which is somehow, someway, I don't know how they got in, except for Tennessee, shout out Mike Vrabel, should not have been fired still. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in here as a seven seed, um, and in recent years, you know, I say the Steelers have nothing, you know, are, you know, are just carried by this defense, an elite defense, but then you watch these final few weeks of the regular season. Mason Rudolph, yep, I know, didn't think I'd be saying this either at the start of the season, um, has come in and just really revitalized this offense, being aggressive, throwing the ball down the field, and having success too. And that's what I love about him. He's a combination of kind of like Trubisky and Kenny Pickett when it comes to Kenny is good, accurate, short throw. He's not the greatest with the deep ball. Mitchell Trubisky, he's not afraid to throw it deep, but he turns the ball over. Mason Ross throwing the ball deep with accuracy and not turning the football over and really has helped this offense become balanced. And I think that's something that people don't realize that in recent years, they had just this defense and a mediocre offense. They need to be low scoring. The Steelers have scored 30 points in two of their final three games with Mason Rudolph at the helm. So they know they can come out and compete with the best of the best on offense and defense and makes them and Green Bay really two of the most dangerous seven seeds we've had since the seven seed has been added to the postseason picture. Yeah, I really agree with you. Um, uh, a big thing for me with the Steelers team, you know, you talk about the great defense. and uh, But, yeah, when you talk about these quarterback play, it's really been the season of the kind of replacement quarterback all yep. year. And, I mean, that even goes to extend to Baker Mayfield. Yep. Um, it's just been guys coming in and capitalizing on the opportunity for these teams. And I think that's been what's so key when you look at, especially when you look at Pittsburgh and you look at Cleveland. It's... Joe Flacco and Mason Rudolph have come in in these opportunities and they're just playing fearlessly because it's like, no matter what, I probably don't have this job next year. So I might as well just go out and play it my way, try and win these games, and you know, whatever happens, happens. And it's just working out so well. I've been impressed with Mason Rudolph. I thought that maybe this would be a real downward spiral for the Steelers. I mean, you're not uh, alone. After Pickett going down, <laughs> Trubisky not performing well, just having to go to this third option. I, I was wondering when they were going to uh, re-sign Devlin Hodges to maybe bring in another guy. <laughs> Trace McSorley was on the practice squad. I was I was rooting for. I was like, give me Trace McSorley some action. But yeah. um, so I was, you know, I was ready for them to go to another option, but he's come out, he's played fearlessly, and that's been the difference. He hasn't been too cautious. He's come out, and he's taken advantage of the opportunity. Absolutely. The sixth seed in the AFC, um, another late-season collapse here for the Miami Dolphins. Second year in a row, really, with this with Mike McDaniel. And I've heard 
Just some rumblings. It's nothing like strong, but I heard rumors. A loss in a wild card here. There might be some questions you start asking about Mike McDaniel here. Um, but Miami, look, they have two of this postseason. That's a big thing. Didn't have him last year. Almost upset the Buffalo Bills. Um, but yeah, rough down the stretch. Really struggled. One in five against teams with a winning record this year. Uh, the New England Patriots actually had more wins against teams with a winning record than them somehow. Um, I don't know. Uh, but this Miami team, they've had a good offense. There's a lot of good pieces. Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle should be back this week. However, the injuries on the defensive line and just that defense in general have been catastrophic. Bruce Irvin, Justin Houston have been signed to this team for the playoffs. Some old school players because they have don't have they don't have any depth on that defense. So there's some question marks about this Miami team going into the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think it would be a great idea if they lost to fire Mike McDaniel because he's so bad. <laughs> um, I know a lot of teams would hate to have Yeah, they'd be like, darn team. it, I guess we'll take Mike McDaniel. I guess uh, he's going to have to be my <laughs> consolation prize as my new head coach. Um, no, but all seriousness, Mike McDaniel's a great coach. I think any of those rumblings are nonsense. And if that is the case, we'll have the textbook case of exactly what happened to Brian Flores. It seems that mm-hmm. it seems that to me, yep. <laughs> if Mike McDaniels gets fired, ownership is just expecting so much and they want a quick turnover. It's like they're it's like when a team gets in these opportunities, they're a championship contender and they're like, okay, coaching isn't working, we gotta find somebody else. But that's just not the case. You're not gonna win the championship every single year and you're not gonna win the championship with no consistency. Uh, I get trying to take advantage of the championship window and what you've built, um, but you got to think about some of the injuries that have happened that kind of caused us collapsing in the year. A lot of injuries on the defense. Tyreek Hill went down. Waddle and Mozart went down. Uh, uh, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb are out for the season. So you think about a lot of stuff that's happened. Uh, Tua went down last year. Um, so, you know, it hasn't been exactly uh, easy going for Mike McDaniels coming down the stretch right. uh, in the regular season and into the postseason in his tenure there. So I think it would just be another overreaction uh, by the front office and by ownership uh, as far as head coaches are concerned. And at that point, I might be demanding sell the team if I was a Dolphins <laughs> fan. Uh, but I think this is a talented team. Uh, Kansas City is kind of a shaky team uh, down the stretch this season as well. So I wouldn't have a ton of worries. I think this is going to be a, a good matchup for them. And I think they're a team I don't want to play in the postseason, no matter their record against winning teams. Yeah, and again, the thing that just keeps on reminding me is two is healthy now. That's yeah. something they can't uh, that you should have to. You're going to have to face. You're going to have to stop two of throwing the ball here in the postseason. The next team, the final wild card team in the AFC, the Cleveland Browns, led by Flacco. Flacco, cool just Joe. About Joe Flacco. Just something about this Flacco guy. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I trust him. Um, Joe Flacco and the Browns are here, and the five seed. Uh, Truly, uh, I hate saying this because I hate giving this stupid orange team credit, um, but Kevin Stefanski, the job he did this year for the Cleveland Browns is easily the best coaching job in the NFL this year. I don't, And that's coming from someone who doesn't want to root for the Browns for them to be successful. I don't want them to be, but they've done a, he's done a great job keeping this team alive. Five different starting quarterbacks for this team this year, and they had double-digit wins and are the five seed in the AFC. And not only the quarterback, Nick Chubb out for the year, both tackles going down with severe injuries. Some injuries on the defense. Uh, even your starting, even your kicker got injured at that point. I mean, you, it was everything that was getting injured, and this team's still that five seed in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. It's really been an impressive uh, streak of resilience. 
Um, obviously something that helped us being able to bring back Kareem Hunt uh, this year when Nick Chubb went down. You know, they had that great one-two punch for a couple of years with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, but then, obviously, contract negotiations into the free agency. Didn't want to pay what uh, Hunt was worth. Chubb goes down. That Hey, we know a guy who knows our playbook. We know a guy who we know how to use pretty well. He did a great job. And it was everybody else kind of stepping up. Jer- uh, Jerome Ford? Jer- is that his name? Jerome Ford. I think it's Jerome Ford, Jerry Ford, yeah, something, something like, that. like that. But he's been a beast. Shout out to him on my Dynasty League fantasy team. He got me some extra points every week. Um, Joe Flacco's coming and been great. Uh, it's just really been the supporting cast. Uh, they've really built this team well from top to bottom um, to compete. And boy, oh boy. The AFC playoffs, I know I keep saying this team's dangerous in the AFC, but everybody's yeah. dangerous in the AFC. This is going to be a great postseason, uh, especially on that side of the bracket. Absolutely. Now let's get to those division winners. We talked about the Texans a bit already. I mean, with this freaking genius right here, yeah. picking what them to I win say? the AFC South. So instead of previewing them and talking about I want to say, what will it take since you are the Texans whisperer? What is it going to take for the Texans to go far this postseason? Oh, I think it's just about um, – Kind of the defensive success. Uh, we've seen this offense, even when Tank Dell went down, um, how T.J. Stroud's making it work with anybody uh, in that receiving core and executing super-duper well. Um, I think the big thing is the defense. They've been in a lot of close games. Um, if the defense can come up and show out for this team, uh, there's nothing that this offense can't do. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, my only worry about them is just, you know, playoff experience. That's the only thing, if there's any question about it, is just they haven't, CJ Stroud and them haven't been there in that position. Amika Ryans hasn't been there as a head coach. How do they respond? That's the only thing that worries me about them. Um, the three seed in the AFC, we talked about the Chiefs. Um, boy, oh boy. Um, this is the first time Patrick Mahomes is going to have to win away from Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, to go to the Super Bowl. So it's going to be interesting to see there. The Chiefs, they have had their struggles this year, to say the least. They have had their struggles offensively. There are times you wonder how much was Eric Bieniemy doing for this offense before he left. And, you know, people wondering, is the Taylor Swift curse a thing? Um, first of all, you people that say it's a curse, if that's a curse, I'll take the Taylor Swift curse. Yeah. Um, I will gladly take a Taylor Swift curse. That means I get to date Taylor Swift. Totally different thing. Um, but this is a team you look at and you think, they, there's part of you thinks they're the same old Chiefs still. But there are times you just look at them and say, if they get into those lulls offensively, all six other teams in the playoffs can come in and maybe beat them pretty soundly. Yeah. Um, you look at Kansas City, and the big thing for me is that, uh, you know, uh, the past few years I, I've been saying it, and it usually hasn't uh, affected them. But, you know, I would say, oh, this defense, I just don't know. Can this defense hold up down the stretch? And I will argue that uh, they haven't had great defenses. They've had players show up and have individual performances on defense to really help them in the postseason. But this year, I think this is the best defense they've built. It plays so well, so cohesive. Um, But this offense has its big questions. And it's really not Patrick Mahomes. It's really not the offensive line. It's really the receiving core. Even Travis Kelsey is having major struggles down the stretch. Um, To me... It's a scary matchup playing uh, Miami, especially in this first round, because the secondary is so lethal. And when you've got guys dropping balls right into receivers' hand or corners' hands, um, the, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, two guys who have both led the NFL in interceptions in a season in their career, um, these are two guys that aren't going to let the ball come to pass. Right. Um, 
So I, I'm I'm honestly worried for the Chiefs in this game. Uh, I just think there's a lot of injuries on the defensive line, sure, but this secondary looks good, and it is going to be hard to complete a pass against them. Absolutely. And we hinted a little bit at the Bills. This man, I mean, your picks for the AFC are starting to look yeah. look elite with the Bills here. Uh, again, since you, you talked a little bit about the Texans, what will it take, what's going to cost the Bills to not go far in the postseason um, because right now, a lot of people, besides the Ravens, they think they're obviously the one of the top teams that can reach Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. Yeah, uh, I think the big thing for them is offensive consistency. Uh, we saw kind of how much they've struggled. And even in some of the games they won, that game against Miami, turning right. the ball over has been a huge thing for them. And it obviously led to a change at offensive coordinator this year. Um, but... When you really look at this team, the defense has played well. Their offense has to stay consistent. That's something they've done much better in the second half of this season. But if a team like Pittsburgh especially can get Josh (laughs) Allen out of rhythm, force him to make a lot of questionable decisions and have that offense capitalize, the the Bills can be in trouble. Um, So it's just about, again, their execution on offense. If they can stay consistent and reduce those turnovers – uh, I, I think they, they can absolutely make a run all the way. And uh, what Joe Brady's done really well is, especially against Miami, he got Josh Allen's legs involved Right, again. right. Um, and that's something that obviously they tried to scale back uh, last year and into this year to try and keep Josh Allen healthy. Obviously, yeah. Uh, after he sustained that huge injury. Uh, but this is a guy that is much more dangerous when he's allowed to move and take off and run. And uh, I, that's something they've got to keep doing uh, to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I Josh Allen led the NFL in turnovers this year. Had the most touchdowns. Had the most turns. I'm saying, just just give the Steelers a couple. Give us a couple. That's all I'm saying. Um, And then the final team, we're going to talk about the number one seed, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Wow. That's all I have to say. A difference a year makes for this team. Um, Wow. Hire Todd Munkin. Make some changes. Sign Odell. There are questions about Lamar all offseason. And, yeah, here they are, number one seed in the AFC. Uh dominating the top teams in the NFC, too. Destroying the Niners, destroying the Dolphins, um, really destroying the Lions in the NFC, too. I mean, the sky is the limit for this team right now. They look unstoppable right now. Why? What do you think would make them un, not unstoppable come playoff time? There's a, Because it feels like it's too easy to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think the big worry is uh, the offense and kind of Lamar Jackson showing up. Uh, I won't say that he's been bad in the postseason in his career, but he certainly hasn't played uh, to his typical level in the postseason uh, in his career. It just feels like the Ravens haven't shown up uh, a lot of times when they've made the postseason. So I think the big thing for Lamar Jackson is just going to be uh, you know, consistency, staying the same, playing the same way. Um, the Don't let the lights get too bright. Um, but they've had such... Uh, commitment and usage all around I think it's going to be tough to beat this team uh you see everybody contributing in a way that we just haven't seen from this Ravens team in the receiving core that I'm honestly I'm honestly worried that just nobody's going to be able to stop them yeah uh I'm I'm right there with you I'm very worried I'm just saying if the Steelers were to beat the Bills they go to Baltimore they're one of they're one of they beat the Ravens twice I mean really only once with the starters (laughs) um I'm saying there's a 
There's just a chance. Could be an yeah. interesting one. Yes, and before you ask, you people that are listening to me, yes, I have figured out a path in my head that the Steelers can reach the Super Bowl. Thank you for asking. Um, but now, enough about this, hyping it up. Let's get to our game picks for these games. And the first one, Browns versus Texans Saturday, also known as the Houston Texans Invitational from recent years. Or this that home playoff yeah. game with the Texans. They're facing Joe Flacco and the Browns, who they played a couple weeks ago, and the Browns and Amari Cooper dominated. But a big thing from that game... No C.J. Stroud. Yeah. C.J. Stroud is here. The Texans are hosting this playoff game. I imagine it's going to be electric. Give me a winner here. Give me a winner. Uh, I got to take the Houston Texans here. I think this will be a really good and competitive game, but I think C.J. Stroud pulls it off and continues the magic. Yeah, uh, I, I would go with you there, but uh, I just think the difference to me comes down to the defenses. And I think the uh, no disrespect to the Texans defense and Will Anderson, who I hope wins Defensive Rookie of the Year, please. Um, Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just trust in this Browns defense more, and I think that's the ultimate difference to me. So I'll take the Browns to win this game. Uh, next up, the game on Saturday night. Yeah, Roger Goodell's making the Swifties pay for Peacock. We got the Peacock exclusive game. Business decision. I was about to say, honestly, like we're going to end that from a business standard. I would have done the same thing. Um, Dolphins versus Chiefs. We've talked about it enough. This is a matchup, really. We don't know what to expect from either side. And also, the temperature expected to be there, zero. Zero degrees uh, is what it will be. Who knows what it will actually feel like. Yeah. But it's expected to be one of the coldest playoff games in NFL history. So, who knows what to expect there. And the Dolphins, obviously, you know, literally in Miami. People think they're not big fans of the cold here. I think I know where you're going, but give me a pick here. Yeah, I'm going to take Miami. I think this defense comes out and gets it done. I think the secondary shows out and kind of forces Patrick Mahomes to make a lot of the mistakes he's made this season, even though a lot of them aren't his fault. Um, And I think this offense is good enough to take advantage of the opportunities that they're going to get. Uh, You know, we saw even when they played uh, Las Vegas a few weeks ago on Thanksgiving, the way that defense capitalized and forced turnovers, um, they they left a lot of points on the board. And I think that's just something that an offense like Miami is not going to do. Yeah, and uh, obviously, I think that's a fair point. Uh, this is a honestly, besides you know maybe Steelers, Bills, Packers, and Cowboys. This is my one of my favorite games from the weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll figure out a way to watch it without paying for Peacock. Don't ask how; it'll happen. Um, but I'm I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs here. I just think I know they lost that game to the Raiders at home. At home, and they've kind of had their struggles at home, really, and just on offensive. Uh, really, but I just think playoff time at home, it's so hard to beat Patrick Mahomes and them in Arrowhead. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't rooting for Miami. I'd be yeah. lying to you, but I got to go with my gun. I think the Chiefs are going to end up taking this one. Then, to kick off the Sunday action, Steelers versus Bills in Buffalo, and more weather for this game. Some very heavy winds expected, like 20, 25 mile per hour winds in this game in Buffalo. Uh, we've hinted at enough. Steelers, Bills. Do you have an upset here? Uh, unfortunately, I don't. I really do like this game. I like the Steelers in this game, but no TJ Watt. I think is going to hurt this team big time, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot harder to stop Josh Allen without the Defensive Player of the Year on the field. Rude. Um, okay, uh, but no. Obviously, uh, I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. There's no. There's no shocker here. Um, realistically, in my head, I look at it and say there's no reason the Bills shouldn't win. Um, the the AFC, but the Steelers are going to win this game, and I'll tell you why. I know people say you're not having TJ Watt. You're one in ten when TJ Watt doesn't play. 
Keep in mind, those years, we didn't have as much depth at pass rushing. This pass draft, Nick Herbig, a rookie from Wisconsin, he's done well. Marcus Golden, he's been really good. And people act like T.J. Watt is our whole defense. Keep in mind, Minka Fitzpatrick's coming back. Devontae Casey, who had that suspension for the season, was only for the regular season. He's eligible to return for the playoffs. And uh, I just think, honestly, we're more balanced offense. I think that's what makes it special about this team. They're more balanced, and it's not, oh, the defense has got to do the carry. And No, the offense can keep up. And honestly, I think if this wind is like this, the Steelers' run game has been incredible these past few weeks, and I think they can shut down the Bills' run game. Plus, just in my head, Bills have won five in a row. They're on a row. The Steelers are playing with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, no T.J. Watt. We got nothing to lose. We got nothing to lose in this game. And a team that has nothing to lose is always the most dangerous. So, yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers easily. Then, besides Steelers and Bills, honestly, the game I'm looking forward to the most on Sunday, Packers versus Cowboys. Um, I mean, the the jerseys, the titles themselves explain it. Um, This is fun. And honestly, it could be an interesting one here between the Packers and the Cowboys. We've seen recent years Packers QBs going in and taking care of the Cowboys. Does that trend follow here? Uh, I don't think so. I, I like the Cowboys in this game. Uh, I think that this is going to be a really close game and Green Bay is going to give them a fight. But I think the experience of this defense uh, compared to the big-time inexperience of this uh, Packers offense is really going to get the job done. I think they're going to be able to create some pressure on Jordan Love and force him to make some mistakes. Yeah, I hear you. Upset of the week. Green Bay Packers go into wow, Jerry World wow, despite wow. the Cowboys not winning. Um, are losing at home all year. I think Jordan Love, they go in, they make a statement into Dallas. Jordan Love, late game winning drive wow. to show that Green Bay owns the owns the Cowboys. And then we add more to the coaching carousel, probably with a Mike McCarthy firing after yeah. the game. Uh, and how fitting would it be for his former team to take him out in his final run? Yeah. Uh, but all right, I don't think we have picked the same on any game yet. I don't think so either. I might change on this one. Sunday night football, and I love they put this game on Sunday night. Rams, Lions, and I'm lying when I said Packers, Cowboys, because this is going to be my favorite. I mean, I, I could honestly, I don't know how to list it. Um, Rams, Lions, Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit. Lions, first home playoff game, like I said, since I think 1991, maybe 1992, somewhere around there. Um, this is going to be an electric crowd. I looked up the cheapest ticket prices. Well over $1,000. That's insane. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say mine because this is an obvious one. If you think in the world I'm going picking against the Lions in this game, you're out of your mind. There's no way you're picking against Detroit in this game. Lions, I think, roll. Yeah, I'm out of my mind. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm taking the Lions in this game. I think the Rams have had a good run this season, but I think that this Detroit team's talented, and I think the atmosphere is going to be electric. I think they get the job done easy. Yeah. Um, I hope the Rams make it a game, but I mean, it just it feels like it's just going to be an easy one. Yeah. Then the final game of Wild Card Weekend, Monday Night Football. Uh, whoever thought to put this on Monday Night Football, I want to have a word with you. Um, Eagles and Buccaneers, um, just. Interesting matchup to say say the least when you look at the two teams. Um, honestly, I have no idea what to expect from this game. Just like the Cowboys and the Buccaneers last year, I have no idea what to expect from that. Similar to this one, what you going with here for the final pick of Wild Card Weekend? Um, I like the way the Eagles have played this year. Uh, I like the the team that they built, but I think Tampa Bay. Uh, takes advantage of this team. Uh, they're just playing better football right now, and they're going to execute. It seems like the team chemistry is there. Um, you know, 
Baker and the receivers are on the same page, and it seems exactly the opposite in uh, Philadelphia right now. Absolutely. Uh, I'm right there with you. I just... I, I I think Philly talent wise Philly should win this game. Yes, they're the better talent, team. Talent wise, Philly's the better team, but it's just something about the way they finish this year. I have zero. To me, this Eagles team is either losing this game or they're going all the way to the Super Bowl. What it's not, I don't think it's in between. I yeah, think it's. I agree. I think it's one of those two, and I think it's going to be them losing in this wild card game. Give me Tampa Bay. But now it is time for our bet of the week for wild card weekend. We might do it for division round, but we're guaranteed for this one. The final betting picks for regular season. You sir, ten and eight. Well done. Wow. Uh, me, I got to five hundred at nine and nine, which puts our final record at nineteen. And 17. We went above 500, sir. Well done. That's what we like to see. That is what we like to see. But give me your bet of the week for Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, it's not going to be any surprise to anybody. Give me Houston Texans money line. This team is rolling. Okay. You know, I hear that, and I take that, but, I mean, you know where I'm going with it. They're a double-digit underdog. There's you, You're telling me the Steelers plus 10? That's the easiest bet of all time. Easiest bet. You know, this might be the most money I bet since that Niners Cowboys game where I won like fifty, sixty dollars. Wow. I don't know, um, but I'm, I'm, I I don't know. I just, I just feel it. I've, I've convinced myself. I feel it. I got that. I got that power. But that's going to be it for this episode. Wow, a lot of football news that has come out recently in college and NFL. And Austin, I think it's safe to say we're not even close to done, especially, especially with college football now with this big news of Nick Saban. Yeah, I think we've got a lot left to go. Yeah, but that's going to be it for this episode. That's Austin Hill. I'm Austin Wainer. We want to thank you for listening.